today. I felt real good about our bench, real good about our team. Obviously, again, you know, you give up the late one, and that that one really hurts. And that's, you know, we've, we've that's been the trend here, right? We've been in tie games and giving up one late. That's that kind of one you know, that stings after um, playing such a hard game. But uh, to answer your question, I don't sense frustration, particularly after this one. Uh, because the guys, you know, they knew the challenge we were up, here, up against here tonight, and they know they played a game that very easily could have gone the other way. Obviously pissed off about it, but um, like I said, I mean, all these games we've been playing, we've played some really good hockey. Um, you know, we've um, just given them back. We've had a lot of chances to extend leads in games and haven't done a good job of that. And, um, you know, I thought you know, we played pretty good defensively again tonight, but um, you know, just a little slip up here and there. And, they got a lot of skill that can make things happen. Um, it's frustrating, but sometimes that's how it goes. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Maple Leafs take a 2-0 lead over the Edmonton Oilers yesterday. It seems like seconds later it's 2-1 as Zach Hyman has scored. Nope, but it's not. Taken off the board. But then, like, a couple seconds after that. Yeah, it was 2-1, and then it was 2-2, and then it was 3-2. And ends up 4-2 after an empty netter in favor of the Edmonton Oilers, who have won a franchise record 11 consecutive nine straight in which they've allowed two or fewer goals. Maple Leafs now tying a season-long four-game losing streak as they find themselves seven points back of the Panthers for second in the Atlantic with only a game in hand now. Hey, can we just... We just pick up on one thing you just said there. I feel like uh-huh. we're kind of... We as the society at large are kind of schluffing past this. The, and he's like you said, an Edmonton Oilers franchise record for doing things. That's mm-hmm. like pretty special. And I know, I know, I know loser points yeah, and stuff. It. But that's the two the goals, deal. that's not that's yes. not nothing. So that's all. It's just any t- That's like, not a franchise record. No, no, no. Yeah. The two goals isn't. But I, I, I also uh, yeah, go look the at 80s. the box scores. I don't know that they were holding teams no. to two goals very many nights. That's all. It's just any time you do anything in that franchise that is a record of peak performance, you have mm-hmm. to talk about how special it is because, you know, no, Wayner and the boys. The Oilers have figured it out. And boy, I had my, my question marks surrounding both goalies going into the season for the Oilers and one guy I you were still... saying last night, but yeah, that would have yeah. held true as well. No, Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner going into this season and one guy has been uh, sent to Siberia, perhaps never to return. Um, but Stuart Skinner, he played the role perfectly of number one goaltender on a good team yesterday. Like he made the saves he had to make, not all of them easy against the Maple Leafs. Um, he was good yesterday. And the Oilers have righted the ship Tremendously. They're a point back of the Leafs um, in the overall NHL standings with 49 points, but they played two fewer games. So you can make the argument they've already surpassed the Leafs after their horrible, horrible start to the season. I mean, if you're going to be optimistic, and maybe this isn't the day for optimism after the Leafs have lost four consecutive. Who are you, Mitch Marner? Mitch Marner would would be very optimistic, and he, he would point to, like, how close they came and how hard they fought through 60 minutes against a very good and red-hot Oilers yeah, team yeah. on the road. Oh, and he might even point to, like, some of the, um, you know, the, the points picked up, the loser points picked up against the Boston Bruins this season. And, you know, they split a home-and-home against the New York Rangers this mm-hmm. season. But, man, you look at the overall numbers for the Maple Leafs, whether it's the standings uh, spot that I I, I mentioned that they currently find themselves in, whether it's the point percentage where they're, what, 13th in the NHL in points percentage, whether it's goals for percentage, Mm -hmm. which they're top 10, but like 10th, uh, goals against per 60 at five on five. 
they're worse than that, middle of the pack. Like, be optimistic about this Leafs team. Tell me why I should be bullish on their chances to, one, be better than this going forward, and two, do something finally in the postseason besides win a single round like they did in six games against the Lightning last season. I'm going to start with the first because I have a harder time uh, with, with the second. But it's because every team that is not the Boston Bruins of last year goes through stretches that looks like this to a certain extent. Would it would we feel better about this team if they were just getting blo- if it was the exact same roster and they were mm-hmm. getting blown out through all these games and they weren't blowing leads? Like we would talk about how that's proof that they of concept that they aren't as good, but we wouldn't be talking about the killer instinct and ability mm-hmm. to hold on and all of those things. So I am not gonna sit here and make the case. I'm not gonna go full Mitch Martin and say they're a great team. But I also think a lot of those numbers, you know, I'll just pick one you point out of well, they're they're barely top. It's like they're still tenth in the NHL in goal that is not that is not a number you look at and say that's going to hold them back so I think they are kind of exactly where they should be I don't think there's some big leap coming Uh, I also don't think they're going to continue to blow leads and give away games for two more months sure I mean we're we're catching them at their worst moment of the season as far as blowing leads Mm -hmm. but this has been part of this team's DNA this season yep they haven't been able to hold on to leads they've been a lot more porous defensively than they were a season ago All right, time now for our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's Insider, Mike Kelly of NHL Network. How's it going, Mike? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing doing very well. What an awesome hockey game start to finish it was yesterday in Edmonton. Obviously not the result the Leaf fans wanted. Uh, You're the numbers guy, Mike. How do we figure out a schedule that gets more than just two Leafs-Oilers games over the course of an 82-game season? (laughs) Uh, well, get them in the Stanley cup final. Yeah. That'd be one way to do it. That would be uh, ideal. It was great though. Yeah. Like the, it was the, the pace of that game was, was just awesome to watch. And, uh, I, I think even just hockey fans outside of those two markets would love to see them play more than that. Yeah, you would. You know, what do you think it says? And again, you know, we, we bring you on here because you have the numbers for all this. And I know this is like the least numbery question of all time I'm about to ask you. But, you know, you're you're a human with a brain who thinks of things outside of ones and zeros. What a compliment. You, you you're can, a human with a brain. You can answer these, this question as well, Mike. But yeah, what do you think it says about this Leafs team that we've seen it so many times? Laying the eggs against a bad team. And hey, to their credit, they didn't do that against the Sharks and the Ducks recently. But even as bad as this team was going or the question marks you had, I don't think there was a soul that thought they weren't going to show up last night. They always seem to rise to the moment. And I think even people who are a little down on this team, they see games like that and say, how can I not believe in this group? When every time you put a 1A challenge to them, they seem to, you know, at least to a certain extent, rise to the moment. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good in that game. And they, they hung right there with Edmonton. And uh, their big players, you know, for the most part, showed up and, and were noticeable. Um. I think, you know, there is a human element to it where, you know, maybe on a Tuesday in game 32 of the season against Columbus, you just, you don't have it and and you really should. And then, I don't know, it's a maturity thing in a way as well, where there are certain teams you watch, like, I mean, Edmonton's won 11 in a row, but you watch a team like Winnipeg, um, it's been, what, 33 games in a row. They haven't given up four or more goals. Mm consistency like they show up and they play a certain way um Kyle Connor was injured he just came back Mark Scheifele's out doesn't matter who's in the lineup the way that they play is consistent uh and it's every single game 
Uh, Toronto, nobody's ever accused them of that. So um, I, I don't know why it is with that group, but it is kind of a theme year over year. Yeah, they hung in a 60-minute hockey game against a very good team yesterday and could have easily won that hockey game. But we're now through 42 games of the regular season. That's a pretty good sample. Like, yeah, there's, yep. there's you know, 40 still to go. So the narrative can change. But at this point, it seems like they're pretty fair to Midland. Like, Mike, is there is there any is there any number to suggest that this team is anything other than meh? Well, a very good offensive team. Um, top five in just about everything that matters the process results-wise to, to create offense. So that's, you know, that's always encouraging. Defensively, they, they've been... Uh, better in recent years than they have been this year. And it's kind of tough, too. Like, Martin Jones has come in and, and for the most part, done a really nice job, given that he was the team's third goalie at the start of the year and somebody I don't know they thought they'd ever have to lean on. Um, But, you know, who's their goalie? Uh, There's a lot of question marks for sure. The fact that Toronto, I think with some of the injuries that they've had, uh, are you know where they are, which is almost at a 600 points percentage, is you know that that's that's pretty good halfway through the season. Um, but you know, like you said, Mitch Marner said he he knows they're a great team and they're not going to listen to what everybody else says. I, I don't have them as a great team. Uh, I have them as a as a as a good team. But if if they're a great team, you know, then then what's Winnipeg and, and Colorado and Vancouver and Edmonton? So what's the path? if there is one for this team to get there this year. I mean, I've been a proponent that, you know, I, I don't want to overstate what it'll do, but I really do think getting one more body on that blue line and just kind of re shuffling things. And I don't think it needs to be, you know, the top pair guy we always talk about. I think it would do a lot. A lot of people have bandied out the possibility of the dead cat bounce that you can get with a, with a coaching change. Do you see a path for this team kind of getting to a better version of itself? Or do you think that they are kind of performing Forming to what we we can expect with this group, given the you know we've talked about it, right? Like Max Domi, there's a lot of good he gives you, but if you're looking to build a yeah. defensively stout group, he's probably not the guy. And you know that's just one player I pick on, and you could say that about a lot of guys. Yeah, the the blue line is thinner than some other teams that you know are real top of the league type teams, and especially to get into the playoffs and um, the kind of hockey that gets played in the playoffs. I think you'd love to have another guy you can depend on whether that's a, a you know a lot of people talk about Tanev in, in Calgary as being somebody who they could really use and I think they could I think that is a good example um, so there'll be opportunities you know leading up to the trade deadline in early March to try to identify what you could use the the forward group I mean the, the fourth line kind of regardless of who's been with Gregor and, and camp this year has not been very good Um more depth at forward could help. Uh, and, and Joseph Wallach, if, when he comes back, he was so good. Um, we, we don't have a huge sample with him. Uh, and obviously, you know, playoffs, but he, he, he's looked really, really good every time he's been in the net. And, and I think he's a really, really good goalie. So uh, that, you know, if he comes back and starts playing well and playing like he did at the start of the season for Toronto, mm-hmm that's going to quiet down a lot of the other areas that we're focused on right now because, you know, pucks are going in a little more than they were earlier. Uh, and they're going to get their almost a uh, goal a game from Austin Matthews who scores yesterday. Oh, he, he, he continues to, to lead the NHL 
in goal scoring. He's now got 34 this season on pace for around 70, just a little shy of 70. And we're all looking at that, you know, the last guy that, that scored 70 in a season in uh, 93, Timo Solani, uh, as well as uh, Alexander McGillney, had 76 that season. I mean, 70, That's that's that feels like taking it to another level because it is taking it to another level. Is it doable, do you think, for, for Austin Matthews? If everything goes right, and I mean everything goes right, he can get to 70, yeah. But that's a lot. I mean, that's... that's uh, that's a hard thing to sustain, especially that's through the second half of the season. You know, things get a little tighter as you go down the stretch. Austin Matthews, though, I mean, he can score every game. We know that. And and he's gone hot and cold at different times this year. Like, remember, I think there was a stretch where he had one goal in nine games. Yeah, or, coming or out no of the – he had the two hat-tricks to start the year and then kind of went cold, right. which is a crazy thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he went cold, and it's like, why can't Austin Matthews score? And then he – then he, you know, he'll rip off like 15 goals in 12 games, and you're like, oh, okay, he's back. So um, he he can definitely run hot, but that's a tough thing to do in the second half is to maintain, you know, almost a goal a game pace. Um, if there's any guy in the league that can do it, it's him. But I, I I think kind of low 60s is probably more realistic, which is still a career high and still absolutely incredible. Like it's, I don't know, I, I find I almost take for granted sometimes just how good he is when you're watching him because you're like the numbers become normal to you after a while, but you're like, no, no, it's not normal for a guy to score that much. It's impossible not to become a little numb to it. You know, I was doing pre and post game shows the, the year he had 60 and you just, every single night you walk into the rink going, okay, well, they got one from Matthews and then we'll see where the other three to four come from for, for them to go win this game. Like it is a remarkable way to to look at it. Obviously so much talk about the incredible offensive season he's had. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Nylander early on in the year. Uh, things starting to swing towards Marner now. Part of that is the contract conversation, but you know, part of it is that it's a touch of a, of a down year for him. Uh, what have you, what have you seen out of him? What are the numbers saying from, from Marner? because even the you know this is eye test this is not number or this, i don't have this backed up by numbers but it doesn't even seem like he's making as many impact plays defensively as he was uh last season let alone the the kind of you know high octane offensive stuff we're used to seeing from him well he's he still impacts the game defensively in terms of just like his individual metrics i mean he, he per game he blocks more passes than any forward in the league he's number one um he's top 20 in stick checks. So that's using your stick to separate an opponent from the puck. He's top 25 recovering loose pucks. Um, he, those are the kind of things defensively where he's, he's always had one of the best defensive sticks of any forward. And he also kills penalties and, and plays in a lot of situations that allow him to do it. So that hasn't really changed. Um, the, the offensive side of things as well. Like he's again, I, I, I think he's another guy that I can be guilty of kind of taking for granted just how good he is all around in, in all different types of areas. Um, you know, playmaker, we saw the great play that he made to Matthews. That, that was an incredible pass last night. Mm-hmm. He's still top five in the league and completing passes into the slot. That's a massive, massive driver of assists. Uh, and the top five guys are Kucherov, McDavid, McKinnon, Marner, Matthew Kachuk. So, I don't think, I don't know, for me, like, I, I don't see a real downturn in, in terms of the process and, and the things that he's doing on the ice. Whether it leads to goals or assists all the time, I mean, that can fluctuate because you 
you have a variable in a goaltender that when you're shooting, you don't know what's going to happen. And you have a variable in your teammate when you pass it to them, no matter how well you set them up, if they're going to score or not. But um, still a heck of a player. It's, it's a bit tough now because like, you know, Sheldon Keefe was very critical of uh, a couple of games ago of, of the Tavares, the uh, Nylander Bertuzzi line. And that's been their best line this year. I would say you could yeah. certainly argue it. Um, so everybody's kind of under the gun now because you've lost four in a row. And it's not just that you've lost them. It's the manner in which you've lost them, which has been blown leads and, and not ideal. No, it's not ideal also that in four of the five games since William Nylander signed a $92 million extension, he has no points. And John Tavares is currently riding a five-game pointless streak, his longest as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Now, now Nylander hits a post yesterday, and Nylander's been fine. He's in the middle of his prime, and Mitch Marner's in his prime as well. John Tavares is at the ripe old age of 33 years old. Um, he's also got a, a, a career-low shooting percentage of under eight now. Mike, um... Is is John Tavares truly in steep decline, or is this is this a blip? So I was uh, no, I, I think it's a blip. I don't think he's in steep decline at all. Um, so I'm looking at this yesterday because they're playing Edmonton, um, and in the, you know Zach Hyman is on the other side, and he's one of the best net front guys in the league too. And so like both of those guys come into the game with 77 shots on net from the inner slot. That's the net front area where half the goals in the league are scored, right? Two best guys of the league are getting there. Um, Hyman's got 22 goals from there on those 77 shots and Tavares is seven. <laughs> so Tavares should probably have a few more. In fact, there's no player in the league who has a bigger differential between expected goals and goals actually scored uh, than Tavares. And he's got 12, which yeah, it's not, kind of what we're used to seeing. It's still not nothing, but he could easily have 18, 19, 20, and then we're not having that conversation um, if things had kind of gone his way on a few of them. So I'm not overly worried. He also affects the game in a lot of other ways. He wins a ton of face-offs, a ton in the O-zone. He's uh, top five in the league in winning puck battles. There's a lot that he does. Um, but I think this goes to show you when, and he's not playing his best hockey right now, no question about it for the last, you know, week or so, I think it goes to show you how important he is and, and how much he affects other players too. Like Nylander has been brilliant. He is br- a brilliant hockey player, but some of the success he's had this year is because of Tavares and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, no, I don't think he's fallen off a cliff and I think he'll be fine. That's good. I'd, I'd like to think that 33 is not like 103. My goodness. I was fist pumping like Tiger in his prime all throughout that answer. Absolutely loved every second of it, Mike. Well, I pumped Tavares' tire like a while this year because um, I there's there's minimum, because I've watched them, eight or nine face-offs. He's, he's one that have led directly to goals in the mm-hmm. offensive zone. Like He can affect the game in a lot of other ways, is, For sure. is what I'll say. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would like it to, to come on the scoreboard at some point. Uh, Leafs losers of four consecutive. Mike, uh, appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for this. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. See you. See you. There's Mike Kelly, NHL Network, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, I don't want to hear... Uh, Mitch Barter saying that they have bad luck, but I'll gladly hear someone not on the Toronto Maple Leafs say that John Tavares mm. has bad luck and just needs some finishing to go his way. I'll gladly hear that. Well, and here's the thing, though. It's like when I say that, 
because I don't know the numbers back it up. People go, ah, you rube. You're just willing it into existence. But when Mike Kelly says it, it comes from a place of informed hockeydom. Well, and to the Mitch Marner post-game comments mm. yesterday, I mean, we talked about this when it came to Sheldon Keefe not putting the officials on blast, yeah. understanding that the media will do that for you. You don't need to do that. You don't need to... You don't need to, you need to set the narrative. We, uh-huh. we, we got it. Yeah. We watched the game. We nitpick over everything. We're going to see Austin Matthews get injured because uh-huh. he was cross-checked into the end boards and the Leafs not given a power play and then, you know, giving up the lead. Uh-huh. And, nice and we're gonna, by Bouchard on called last night, by the way. Yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to talk about that. that. I mean, to the Mitch Marner of it, yeah. if Mitch Marner says, man, we've been so bad. Like, I need to be better. This team needs to be better. Here's what we're probably we're doing. We're all going to do the Jack Campbell. Like, no, don't say that about yourself. Why well, would you say that? You're so good. We would say, hey, man, that is, that's a team that went toe-to-toe with one of, I mean, the hottest team man. in the NHL. You're so right. Why did he have to say that? We would have had a totally different tenor to the show. I, I it, He's just so defensive, right? Like expecting this market to say the worst about this yeah. team when, in fact, like, the opposite is, it's the opposite that is generally true yeah. that you, you want you want to see the best in this group. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the here's a conversation you can have about this team and not be laughed out of the room because mm. of the results. This team stinks. You can have that discussion considering the top end talent, considering the goaltending they've gotten. I understand like it hasn't been the guy you've expected, mm-hmm. but I was just looking it up. They're sixth in the NHL in five on five high danger save percentage. Mm-hmm. Considering that, they're like battling tooth and nail to get into the playoffs and they yeah. have one of the lowest regulation win totals this season. We can have that conversation. Now, I don't believe that to be mm. true. Me either, so we won't. But but you you can, if that's your take, sure, you, you're allowed to have that take. So yeah, I I, I think if, if you're Mitch Marner and you say, man, we need to be, we need to be better. We're, we're, we haven't been good enough. This is mm-hmm. a team... I mean, you're not going to talk about your contract, so that's gauche. But like, we have all the talent in the world. We should be, we should be up there winning this division. And every season that we don't do that, it's a disappointment. Here's what I probably say: is like, well, yeah, that's, I like that accountability. Um, yeah, and and that's an accurate assessment of this team. The reason I started to laugh is as soon as you mentioned the contract, and I just went to the Devin Taves of it all that I've been thinking of him calling out his teammates. Could you imagine Mitch Marner not having signed an extension that, like, he obviously can't sign yet? Gone. Mm-hmm. It's too many guys, fat and happy, yeah. paid around here, yeah, right. just signing contracts in the last eight months. Could you imagine that? No, again, it's never going to happen. Let us say all of those things. There's one other thing we haven't talked about from the from the game last night that I I wanted to bring up. I should have brought it up in the first block. Totally forgot about it. I thought Morgan Riley and Connor McDavid were about to get in a fight for three and a half seconds oh last God, night. That little great. net battle was incredible. And, you know, I feel bad for Morgan Riley because, you know, when Morgan Riley or like when Connor McDavid retires, Morgan mm-hmm. Riley will be one of the guys doing the rounds of, man, he was so hard to play against because yeah, we'll it's just play the clip, yeah. we'll play the clip, but it's really unfair. And Hey, it was just one guy. He did that too. He's done that to like entire teams uh, in, yeah. in the past, but I, it's just, it's awesome to see the two of them battling. I mean, more contemporary in terms of peers and age than you would think. It feels like Morgan Riley's like 37 years old. Mm-hmm. Both those guys were on the North American mm-hmm. Young Guns All-Star team at the World at the Cup. World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, Morgan Riley was on the team with those guys. Like they're such peers age-wise. Awesome to see them battling in that way last night and you know, I know the game doesn't go the way the Leafs want, so we don't do this, but 
there's a world where if the Leafs win that hockey game, we're sitting there pulling that clip and highlighting that exact moment of look at this, this guy. And they score on that play. I understand. But the idea, <laughs> it's not Morgan Riley's fault that they score on that play. It's kind of a, very indicative uh, of, it's actually very indicative of Morgan Riley's like entire career defending Connor McDavid. Of, mm, did a good job. Yeah. Puck in the back of the net. But that <laughs> battle was incredible. I thought they were going to fight for half a second. I loved every second of it other than when it went in. I, I mean, later. if you take the result out of it, and it's just God, a regular if you, season. If you game. take the results out of it, you know how good this team would be. Well, but that was just an entertaining game, I would say. And I would, I, I would also say that it's, it's, it's January, right? Like, and we're, we're, we're now. It's a bigger sample. It's forty-two games into the mm-hmm. season. It's January seventeenth. That game had a really important feel to it, which is good. Yeah. I mean, here's the, the like, hey, if you want to do the spin zone on the, this Leafs fair to Midland start through 42 sure. games. And this was the case I was making when the Oilers were the worst team in the NHL and losing the Sharks. It's like every game is a playoff game mm-hmm. for this Oilers team. And like, it feels like they're going to build such a buffer yep. on the postseason in the coming days and weeks. And they already have that. Yeah. It actually isn't going to feel that way. And unless there's a trade coming, it does feel like these, these regular season games for the Maple Leafs are going to take on an outsized level of importance that we haven't seen again, going back to the 1920 season when they were losing to David Ayers. No, you're right, but we've. it just seems like, and ultimately they've taken care of business, but it just seems like there's been every iteration of uh, this will be the thing that makes them lock in before no, the playoffs. No, I didn't say that. No, no, I, I know, didn't I know, say that. I know you're not, but people are going to hear that <laughs> and and extrapolate that. The other thing from, from last night, and we'll talk, I want to talk to Luke about this because, you know, like he was there and he can talk about it, is we've, we've seen rivalries before where there's like a true hatred mm-hmm. among the fan base. And I don't think the Oilers and Leaf fans that were in that building were like singing Kumbaya last night, but they're almost like chanting in unison. It's like the go Leafs go, let's go Oilers back and forth. Like it, maybe it's just because these are one-off games that you get one in Edmonton and one in Toronto mm-hmm. and everybody's just so happy because I mean, there's so many Leaf fans out there, but it doesn't feel like there is like, this doesn't feel like going into Philly to get screamed at by Flyers fans. It has mm-hmm. to me from the outside looking in a bit of a, a different feel. And really? maybe I, I had the, I had the opposite feeling. You I, did. I, I felt like that was, yeah, that was an Oilers. I think there's animus among the fan bases, mm-hmm. but it feels like you put them all in that building and everyone's just like holding hands hands going, oh my God, isn't this amazing? Look how fun the hockey game is. And I I hope Luke pours cold water on that, but that was the feeling I got kind of watching it at home. Weird. I'm not usually the guy that has the the negative perception of a thing that happened and you have the positive perception, but yeah. Well, no, I can I can easily talk myself into that being a negative perception of like quit being so happy to be with one another oh. and get angry at one another, obviously. Not angry personally, but yeah, no, I think the Oilers fans wanted to see the Leafs pounded into sand in that hockey game. Uh, and that didn't happen, but they won the game in regulation. All right, ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this year, we will be giving away family four-packs of tickets, the NHL Fanfare, coming to Toronto February 1st through the 4th. Just listen for the daily code word and episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th, and text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is TORONTO. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the fanfare also available for purchase at nhl.com slash fanfare while supplies last. When we come back, early morning Alberta wake up for Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter in attendance for yesterday's game. As the fan morning show continues, Van Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. The Maple Leafs losing the first game of this Western Canadian road trip. They don't they don't go through Winnipeg, which is I mean, do we consider Manitoba Western Canada? It's like central Canada. It's it's I, a bordering I, province. Mean thing to say to your birth province. You don't even think about I it. Don't yeah, think I know. About I know. You at all. I know. But they're I mean I that's the toughest test, right? Of don't. all the Canadian franchises right now. You know what I think of them is when I do my when I do my yearly on Canadian Thanksgiving, although the NHL season doesn't start by then anymore, but when we should have our what hockey day in Canada should be, mm-hmm. I have all the rivalries set up and I'm like, and you know, the Jets mm-hmm. play somebody. Yeah. Make it make it sense. W- it felt like a thing when they had Patrick Line. Yeah. Right. For six minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, first game was great. Well, and I will say the Leafs and Jets do have, like, in recent iteration, they've just loathed and hated each other for, I mean, basically because Mark Shifley and Neil Pionk exist is kind of the reasons, and Logan Stanley as well. I don't want to absolve him of, of the matter, but they've had kind of a weird rivalry with each other. But, yeah, I don't. I mean, good on them. They're having an incredible season, but I do not think about them. We think about the Oilers a lot and Connor McDavid and what a game uh, yesterday that lived up to the hype. Uh, We think about the Flames and the potential sell-off that may occur in Calgary. They got them tomorrow. And then we think of the Vancouver Canucks and and their fans getting upset at playing a game at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Hockey Night in Canada being Hockey Day in Canada. Uh That's on Saturday before wrapping up this road trip um, on a back-to-back against the Seattle Kraken on Sunday. Leafs currently riding a season-high four-game losing streak. Let's talk to Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter in Alberta right now. How's it going, Luke? It's going well. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for waking up early. Um, That's interesting post-game from from Mitch Marner, and maybe we'll get to that in just a second. (laughs) But I do want to start with the the, the Sheldon Keefe thing, which is like a building narrative um, around his job security. What what is the sense you get being around this team right now, which feels... I kind of we joke about crisis point, but this one does kind of feel crisisy. A little bit. So uh, the last time they lost three in regulation was a couple seasons back in October, um, and at that point, you know they had just lost to Carolina, and they were going into Chicago. I don't know if you remember this. Oh yeah, this clear as day. They were down two nothing in Chicago. David Camp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that was the last time they lost three in regulation. And that has just happened. And at that point, I can tell you that, not me, but I know uh, a couple reporters had a Sheldon Keefe uh, is fired article written just yeah. in case. Just in case. That's how, how hot things were. Um, and I don't know if it's at that point, but there's certainly a tension there. Um, you know, I, he, this is a guy who wants to win every single game. Um, and he... And he, he it really hits them hard when they don't get the points and the, the frustration is building. You can see it in his tone and in his body language. Um, and he's pointing out all the good things and uh, it's almost, it's almost like too much. It's almost like, look, we hit this post or we're having mm-hmm. these chances or we can see it coming. And it's, it's almost like he's, he's really trying to stress the positives because they're not getting points at all. <clears throat> Like at least before when they were losing, they were losing in overtime. Um, and to give up these goals late in third periods and, and watch your leads crumble, it's getting to them. Now, I don't think the players have quit on them. I don't think last night was a lack of effort thing. I, I just think, you know, the Oilers were the slightly better team. They scored more goals. They were a little bit more patient. Uh, and, and they won the game. Their goalie made one, one save better. You know, Martin Jones can't let that first one in. 
I don't want to pin this on him. He's, he's been full value for, for what he is. He's a third string goalie, but I, I don't get the sense that the guys have, have quit on the coach or are trying to get the coach fired. I just think this version of Leafs isn't that great. They're just kind of good. Yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't that fateful Pittsburgh game with uh, Gino Malkin getting uh, yeah. getting to go bar down with a with a clapper from the hash marks against Kazmir Kaskasuo. Uh, poor poor guy. Uh, this isn't quite that. But what do you make of the, this argument? And I don't know that I'm all the way there, but I also am not pouring cold water on it. The idea of they haven't quit on him, but have they potentially tuned him out or has the message got stale? I mean, the best coaches in the world have, have shelf lives. And quite frankly, I, I consider Sheldon Keefe among them. I know he doesn't have the playoff pedigree, but I, you look at what he's done and it's show up and get a hundred plus points out of this team every single year. What do you make to the idea of, even if the team hasn't quit on him, that the idea of the message has got stale or quite frankly, and again, I'm not a believer in this, but I think it's entirely possible that you're not going to make your trade so your bounce has to come that way in terms of a new coach bump well what do you make of all that luke well certainly it's the easiest trigger to pull but but i'm wondering you know is it that much different than at the end of playoffs like if you were gonna do it what why didn't you do it then Mm. um you know what i mean like i don't know totally it's like yeah there's been some flat efforts but there were some flat efforts against the Panthers when it really mattered the most. And then you walk in and then you're giving them an endorsement and an extension. And I know the extension is kind of just, you know, just uh, almost a PR move. Or yeah, to, quiet or you get, down. New quiet, vultures. Us, yeah. quiet, us, quiet us down, but also give him a sense of, okay, I, I have ownership over this room. I'm not sweating. I can, I can make the decisions I want. I, I just think this team is, is caught a little bit here um, because they don't have the defensive uh, players that they used to have. Like you look at that goal, they have a, a third line of Domi Nyes, who appears to maybe have hit the rookie wall a little bit. Um, and, and, and someone else who who's more of an offensive over oh, yeah, who's more of an offensive player. So they build this third line and they give up a, a goal because they're scrambling around in their own zone and they don't know who to cover. Um, but I don't know if that's coaching. Maybe it's coaching building that line. But um, those players are, are offensive-minded. They, they kind of overcorrected and were like, we need to score more goals. We need more goals from our bottom six. So they've built this team that has to outscore you. They can't lock down a 2-1 win, a 3-2 win. They got to get to four. They got to get to five. So it was interesting in his post game. Keith is like less about locking down leads, which is what usually what you hear mm-hmm. from coaches, coaches, especially coaches of teams that are trying to build a championship. They're like, we got to learn to win two one. We got to learn to win three two. Keith was more on the side of we need to get that third goal. We need to get four or five, and oh, we should have got six maybe on another night. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's the the path to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, we've we've certainly had that conversation a, a million times. You know, the you talk a lot about what Keith said, and we've referenced it already. We might as well talk about it now. What Mitch Marner said: uh, "We're a great hockey team. We've got to ignore what anyone else says." Uh, that's a far cry from Devon Taves, what two, three weeks ago, saying, "There's a lot of guys in this room who think they're playing good." 
and they're not. You know, maybe that's just confidence that comes with being a cup champ. Maybe that is confidence that comes from there being two reporters in the room instead of 27, like there is before a, or after a Leafs-Oilers game. But what do you make of the idea of the kind of internal accountability? And I don't put that on Sheldon Keefe, but it's the conversations we've had uh, a million times. I mean, I know a lot of people woke up, and I definitely felt that way seeing that Marner quote of, we're a great team after another blown lead. What do you make of the idea of the stars needing to have kind of more accountability? And does it even mean anything if they're just kind of saying it as a PR exercise? Yeah, no, they have to believe it, right? They have to believe it. But there's been a serious lack of, we need to be better. I need to be better. Even the cliche, like, oh, we got to look in the mirror or it's on us to lock down these leads. What We need to stop this, stop the bleeding. You don't hear any of that tone. And Marner, you know, he's he's the extreme side where he he brings in this us against the world sort of positioning. Um, you know, I don't know really anyone outside of maybe like you know fans on social media that are really saying they're this awful thing. Like it's I, I don't I, don't, I haven't heard, read any columns that say no. fire keepers or, or um, you know I, I don't think the outside world is being that hard on this team. But he sort of positions it that way. Maybe that's you know what motivates him. But it was very much less quotable, but sort of in the same tone, and it flew under the radar. But the morning before the game, uh, yesterday, John Tavares was asked some questions about his slump, and and now he has his longest point drought as a Maple Leaf. It's down to down to five games, and he's been a minus in a lot of those games. He's not even getting his shot off in a lot of them and uh, he was kind of asked about his you know performance and what needs to change and and basically he didn't say I need to be better he didn't say anything along those lines it's kind of just like well just stick with it and eventually you'll get the bounces and and we've heard that kind of from this group before eventually the bounces are go away or we're doing the right thing uh and shots aren't falling like they're an NBA team yeah 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 and it just kind of feels like you don't understand Either they don't really understand what the where the fan base is at, what the fan base wants to hear, or they actually believe that they're just unlucky and eventually things will turn. Man, it's 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 uh, hard not to extrapolate that to like the last seven years, though, Luke. Right? Like, it, yeah, oh yeah, I, you know, and and it's because there, there's an element of truth to it too, right? Like, could uh, pucks have really just bounced your way in all of these winner take all? games that they had in six of the last seven years of course like that could have happened but it also could have happened that you just took over those winner take all games and you left no doubt right like one of them that you just left no doubt we're taking this game this is ours it's our birthright and here's austin matthews with a hat trick four goal game and we we finally break through in, in one of these games like it's 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 not even just like placating the fan base it's like an insight into the way they feel this last near decade of hockey is gone well, this, I, yeah, there's certainly a level of comfort, right? And, you know, that maybe that ties in with the contract extensions. Maybe it ties in with, you know, getting the coach you want, getting, uh, getting asked, you know, where players are asked maybe first before a decision is made on whether to, to keep the coach or, uh, you know, what direction they think the team should go. There's, uh, the players have a lot of power. Um, this this core and and it it's reflective uh, kind of in the tone around the group and it's reflective in certainly the, their cap friendly page and you know so how do you shake them up 
right? Maybe it maybe it is a coaching change. I don't know. I don't I don't think this is Sheldon Keefe's fault. No, I, I don't either. He, but th- this I, is the I, argument for firing the coach because the f- the last firing was actually not a move to make them uncomfortable. It was a move to make them comfortable. They hated yeah. Mike Babcock and they wanted him the hell out. So they they got rid of him and they brought in a, uh, what is like I guess we regard Sheldon Keefe as a player's coach, even though yes, all indications are that this is a guy that that is is harsher than than we we are led on to believe but like yeah he's given tyson barry is 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 uh power play minutes at the time like this that would be the argument for changing the head coach that for the first time in this near decade long tenure of this core that it would be the first thing outside of mike babcock being their first head coach that made them uncomfortable and the thing that's different now from the summer is that there's a real legitimate option out there if you right. wanted to change course in Craig Berube. A guy who's actually done this very thing that, you know, Leafs are hoping to do, which is go from a middling team to hoisting the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, from January to, to June. Um, and he's out there right now, and he's making it clear that he would like the job, which is even crazier. Uh, he's, he's, adver- he's advertising that he's a free agent. Um, so you have to wonder what's in Brad Trilliving's mind right now. Is How patient is he? Is, does he think that this is beyond coaching and, and that wouldn't get it done? Or is he thinking, hey, my best players are still in their prime. Most of them are having really good years. I mean, Austin still is in the lead for the Rocket. Nylander's hit a dip here in, in his production, but he's he's on a, a career year path, and we we know what Marner's capable of. Uh, Riley's having a fantastic year. So is he thinking, how many more of these years in their prime do I get? Do I do something severe, like make a coaching change? You just wonder what's going through his mind right now. So let me, let me throw this at you. And I honestly, I feel kind of like, I feel bad about this because I, you know, I actually feel like I'm the biggest Keith believer of the three of us, not to turn it into a contest, but like, I very much believe in this, this person is the coach, but I also can understand the idea, but the Leafs, some would argue, maybe some wouldn't that they found themselves in a position where they had to hire a GM because they were under the gun, given everything that happened with Dubas. Could you see a world where if they make a coaching change, it's not Craig Berube and it's the guy who's available there. And I understand that he He's kind of the perfect guy, given what he did most recently. But could you see a world where it's Guy Boucher and then they have a kind of more expansive coaching search in the summer? Or if you think it's if if you think they do, you think if they make a move, it is completely external? No, I guess it's possible. I mean, that was the first thing that ran through my mind when they hired him as an assistant. Yeah, right, same with the, the, the guy looking over the shoulder. It's possible. Uh, I just wonder, like Guy Boucher. So his main responsibility is the power play. And it's gotten worse since he took over. Mm. Like, I think they're around six or something. Percentage-wise, it's very close, though. And it was recently, even though they were six, they were actually above their percentage from a season ago. Yeah, because yeah, the power plays in league-wide are up. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it, power play is still one of their strengths. But it, they were second, and they were first in the East last year. So. Right. Um, I, like, I don't know if he's made some, some amazing strides there. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a worth, worth a question whether, whether it's a key shape. Well, I, I mean, we're going down into to hypotheticals here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the other the other thing, if, if in Keith's defense, is hey, I'm playing my third string goalie. Yes, like, the, must be said. The save percentage has let them down. And the other thing is, I have a worse defense core. You subtracted from my blue line, and who did you add? John Klingberg, who wasn't very good, and then had season-ending uh, knee surgery and uh, hip surgery, rather, and then. Now I have this patchwork decor, which he's actually made work not bad considering. Mm. Uh, and considering Brody's age is showing, considering Geo's age is showing. Um, so, you know, in Keith's defense, there, maybe there needs to be some help there on the back end. Mm. Yeah. No, nobody is yes, going to say that. I he, would make those exact arguments, yes. <laughs> nobody's going to say that, yeah, he has uh, a, a perfect team at his disposal, and it, even if he is canned, it's honestly no. like, like I mean, maybe not they, his fault. It's maybe not the your guy fault. who wears 16, yeah. he might think it's perfect. Mm, Other than that, yeah. it's not your fault. Uh, Luke, <laughs> in, enjoy your minus 27-degree temperatures in Edmonton and the, and the trip to Calgary. Yeah, I think it's only minus 26 there, so... Uh, <laughs> It'll be good when I arrive. <laughs> Sunny Calgary. <laughs> See yeah. you, buddy. Thanks. Okay. Take care. Bye. Uh, Luke Fox, Forcent Leafs reporter. Yeah, it is funny. I looked that up That's when we were funny. talking to him, too, that I was hoping there would be something that made me feel better about the minus 17 when I stepped in my car this morning. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and it's that. Yeah, that was it. Could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse for the Leafs. Hey, they, they could be on the outside of the playoff picture looking in and ne- needing a, a strong second half run to get into the playoff picture. And I do think, like, even for psychological purposes, there's a difference between being one point into the mm. playoffs and one point out of the playoffs. Like, I think I think the, if things continue this way and the, the Panthers yeah. continue to separate themselves for second, but the Lightning and the Red Wings, they continue to pick up points and all of a sudden the Leafs find themselves out of the top three in the Atlantic and in a wild card spot or... Beyond a wild card. Mm-hmm. Oh, God forbid. Yep. The Penguins keep picking up points, and it's Kyle Dubas mm-hmm. in the playoffs and the Leafs on the outside looking in. I think the, the, the pressure gets even more immense. Yeah, you'd think, but I don't think that's going to happen, and I actually think that this group, that might be the kick in the butt they need if they fall themselves or find themselves on the outside looking in. Not for the end of the year, obviously, because I have no worries about them missing, but I think that them falling out of a playoff position for five seconds wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to give them a kick in the butt. I guess. I think the coaching thing might be it, especially if it's somebody that, like, yeah, it's something they don't want. Here's what they want. Sheldon Keefe. I, I don't think that they don't want Sheldon Keefe. I, I think that maybe the message isn't ringing through, but I yep. think clearly if you pulled the players, they would say, keep the coach. Yeah, but I also don't I also don't think that's because it's just, like, popcorn parties. No. and never, it's. I think they like him. They have a good working relationship yeah. with him. But, yeah, to your point, it might be getting stale, but they ain't going to like Guy Boucher or Craig Berube any better. No. That much for sure. That's for sure. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben mm-hmm. Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.